Hello and welcome back to the Rovers Chat Podcast. It's episode number 29 and a week that Rovers phone continued to depress after a 2-1 loss at home to fellow strugglers QPR. We saw a lot of drama go on, the transfer window slammed shut and although Rovers added to the ranks, we saw JDT missing from his media duties the day before the game and suddenly it comes out that Duncan Maguire might not be signing for Rovers. Now at the time of recording, with no answer on Duncan Maguire, we're recording this on Monday evening. We were hoping by the time we sat down that we'd know what's happening. But ultimately, we're all none the wiser, really, as we was a couple of days ago, and that's the big issue. We'll get into all that on the podcast. We'll discuss the current situation with the manager, with Greg Broughton, Steve Wagger, and the Venkies, and a lot more. But let's get into it. We'll start by introducing the co-host. Mark, I'll come to you first. You were held hostage again at doing the QPR reaction. Firstly, are you safe? And secondly, how are we doing? You said Mark, not Mike, but I assume that was aimed at me. (laughs) Yeah, well, I can't lose any more hair over the Rovers, can I? I mean, I'm one of the lucky ones. I always look stressed before following Rovers, and I just look too stressed now. But, geez, it's not easy, is it? It's not. I called you by the wrong name, which sums up uh, where we are with Rovers (laughs) at the moment and the the levels of interest there in it. Mike, how are we doing? Are we good? I'm all right. I enjoyed hostage cam, actually. It brightened uh, some of the people were asking for it. They were requesting it. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, no, if I'm being honest, I'm not all right. I am uh, feeling probably how everybody else is feeling right now. Yeah, we'll go into that soon. I think when you mentioned the hostage cam, it's almost the situation we're all in being held hostage by this club. Uh, in one form or another at the moment. It's dire, isn't it? And we'll go into that QPR game. We'll start off with that. Rovers fall to a 2-1 defeat. Uh, after a first half that chances were made, Rovers fall a bit too behind. We get a goal through seven Gallagher, but it never really felt like we were going to make that actually equalise. We know what Rovers are like from behind. Mark, I'll come to you first with the game. Before we get into all the politics as such of what's going on, etc., just focusing on this match, yeah. What did you make of that showing from Rovers? It concerned me. It really did. I thought the defending was, and this is nothing new, but I thought the defending was really poor, but not individually. I felt really sorry for Dom Hyam, actually, and Scott Wharton in particular. I thought QPR must have been delighted the way we set up. I thought Hyam actually looked better than he has recently in terms of is stepping onto the ball and stepping out and, and making real positive decisions. But they were just left high and dry, particularly in the second half, once QPR realised we were playing four at the back, because it was so easy to play against us. Just one long ball, and the pair of them have got loads of strengths, but one is not blistering pace. Joe Rankin no. Costello is always going to be in midfield, so he's not there to help out. Chris Enney looked to left back, to be fair to him. He, you know, I can see that's where he should be playing. But the setup was just wrong. And yet again, I felt you were watching something and you knew the way it was ending. And you were thinking, why is this not changing? Why? You know, Andy Moran, I I, I wouldn't have personally done it, but I kind, of, I kind of saw what he was doing. I thought maybe he's thinking, well, we haven't got Adam Water, We need somebody on the half turn to try and break the lines if they sit deep. Okay. Wasn't working though. Move him out wide, take him off, whatever. It just felt like we were just plugging away at the same thing that was not working. It did for me. I think the one he said came as well when Sinclair Armstrong got through and goal. Oh. I'd say three or four times, and with all respect to him, if we'd have played a better striker, that yeah. game would have been out the way by the time they actually scored that first. I thought we let him have a yeah. lot. And that's the worrying thing for me, that it was so obvious to see where they were cutting us open and Rovers just didn't make 
any changes to really stop that. I thought we used the subs really wrong as well. I thought the moment we got that first goal back, we should have put the pressure on them. QPR reacted yeah. to it quite well. Is it Sifuentes who's in charge there? I thought he did really mm. well. And I think, and this sounds really harsh, and I don't mean this disrespectfully to QPR, but we're at Ewood now, a place that people used to fear coming QPR. I don't want to in however long it was, 23 years or something. Mm-hmm. You know, Huddersfield, who I always see as an easy, an easier game at home. And these games are coming and we're now panicking that we're not going to get anything. Stoke comes to Ewood next and we'll go and cover that game. A Stoke side that are really struggling. But when they've just signed Nile Ennis on deadline day and the way Rovers are, you've got one feeling, haven't you? And uh, that's the worry. Mike, do you feel... Do you feel Rovers have a way out of this? Because I think when you keep losing and, you know, we're yet to win in the league this calendar year, you kind of sat there thinking, where does the next point come from? Do you see a way out of this in the coming weeks? Or do you think Rovers are going to really get sucked into that relegation battle? Just five points clear now. I think if you're not beating QPR at home, the writing's on the wall a little bit for your season. It's only going in one direction. I think ours at the moment is going to be a bit of a relegation fight. I'm still confident that we're not going to go down, but we was hoping for mid-table pushing and you know it looks like we're going to be mid-table looking down. I can't see an end to it as it stands. I think the whole Maguire thing, I think JDT's attitude... Um, at the moment, I think he's. I think he's. He's lost his head at the moment as well. Um, I, I think the, the only way around it now is we just need to have the odd result just go. Well, the, the odd thing just go our way. Not even the odd result, like the Maguire thing. If if that just all comes to fruition and he signs, I mean, Jesus Christ is going to be pressure on him after all of this to actually perform. <laughs> yeah. um, but just a bit. If, if, yeah, but I mean, we just need like that to be resolved and be okay. And then we go into the Stoke game and people feel a little bit better. They're like, okay, well, that's now resolved. And, you know, maybe he goes and gets a goal and it changes everything. We just need some luck. And that's, we are relying on luck now because form is gone. The confidence is gone. I think JDT's head is completely gone with it. And we just need some uh, luck. We really do. Is there the worry, though, that we keep waiting for that look to come and then we get to March and we're sat there one point off, one point in? Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. I think we sat there at the start of the season, didn't we? And we kept talking and we're really happy the way we played the start of the season. I thought we looked like we were that striker short that we'd been begging for all summer. But then now I think we just look terrible anyway. I don't think having a striker to do too much. Otherwise, because think... we're just that poor. Yeah, I thought... I completely agree. I mean, the people saying, oh, well, it's not JDT's fault. Well, he, he was doing a good job at the start and everything seemed to be going quite well. And it's now gone down a bit. And obviously, we'll get to the topic later on about the transfer window and whether we're stronger or not. But he's now got some players coming in. And yes, we've lost some big players. But I want him to see, I want to see him rotating better than what he is. I want him to put the right players in the right positions. Um, Obviously, the Travis thing in letting your club captain go, I think, was a real big um, kick in the teeth. I don't rate Travis, and I think if you're going to sell him, that's fine. But to loan him out 
it just it just stank of things that are not going well in the background. There's something not right, and I think the only way is that there needs to be some sort of change. Yes, we are relying on luck because that's all we can rely on at the moment. Say JDT does go, and we have to bring someone else in who's going to come into this situation. You know, I don't know. We'll we'll talk about that in a bit, but he's got some players in now. I just hope that they all start to click and we get something. Yeah, and we'll, we'll start off with, you mentioned people going, I think it's a good segue into the rumours that have been circulating really since Saturday, first one with JDT and, you know, his future being really up in the air. Then Greg Broughton rumours went around that he'd departed the club. We know obviously a lot of talks going on about Steve Waggett, etc. And it's all come from this Duncan Maguire situation. Like we said at the time of recording, we don't know what's happening. I don't think it'd be right for us to speculate what's happening. I think we, on this podcast, we've always dealt with the facts that come out, whether that's a fact that's, you know, whether that's a fact that suits what people are saying on social media and that. The moment we just know there's an issue with the paperwork, we don't know what's going to happen. Mark, where do you see if it has been a mess up again? Does Greg Broughton's position become untenable, given the fact that he took the blame for the first one? Whether it was him or wasn't him, we don't know. But does his position then come untenable? Because this is the third player then with a messed up on paperwork issues in the last year. So surely, you know, is he in that position where maybe the job's done here for him? I think that's the easy thing to jump to because he said last time, you know, it won't happen again. However, you can't help but feel that there's something systemically wrong. And that may well be above him because if we look back, this stems back way, way longer than transfer sagas, changes in budgets, stems back way before him. And I, I think what has happened is you've seen over the years, we've had different managing directors come in. We had Paul Hunt, who was, was the deputy chief executive when we didn't have a chief executive. We've had different people come in, promise the earth, and genuinely feel they were going to make a difference, only to all get really frustrated, good people as well, because they found out right back to Tom Finn and John Williams, the same thing still seems to be happening, that the people who are in place aren't given enough power to run the club or to do the things. So I think that the easy thing to say is, oh, it's a paperwork issue, if that's what it is, Broughton needs to go and take the rap for that, but we don't know where the blame lies and how far up the, up the chain is. And I think what you said there, Dan, is about us looking at the at the facts and the truth is the massive thing. So I was I was jotting down before. If you go back, I mean, it seems like everything has happened, doesn't it, this weekend? But actually, yeah. you look back. So the window ended, and actually, Rovers fans, if you look back, were reasonably happy. So the mm-hmm. Fleck one came out out of nowhere, and the Maguire deal. We've not seen enough of it. Me and Mike had a chat about him last week. He might be a world beater. He might take six months to settle before then. He might be a flop. We don't actually know. And we've kept Sam Gallagher, which whatever you think of him, JDT wanted to keep Sam Gallagher. And he kept saying, if we lose him, basically is what he was saying. If we lose him, we're weakening the squad. So the window's ended. We're all quite happy. We've got what JDT's asked for. We've asked for experience. We've asked for defenders. We've asked for numbers. We've asked to keep people like Gallagher. He's done it. We then go to Thursday, Friday. I mean, it just seems like a blur at the moment. And JDT doesn't do his interview. And that is where the problem started. 
So the lack of communication there started all of this. Now, rovers are constantly never wanting to comment on situations that are ongoing or media speculation. The problem is here, this wasn't media speculation. They have said, for whatever reason, he's not going to take the interview. Now, that gives you, I think that's where we start because that's where the problems come in. So problem one, do they not trust what he was going to say in that interview? Because if you don't trust what your manager's about to say, that's a massive issue. Massive issue. I think the other thing is we needed clarification. So the simple thing that I think they should have done was either say, if you trust what your manager's going to say, just say, that's what a press officer's there for. They do it all the time. They step in, sit there and say, right, journalists. I mean, let's be honest. We're not Man United. There's not going to have been a room full. We will tell you when we can, what we can. But right now, Yondal is here. He's got 10 minutes, 15 minutes to answer questions about tomorrow's game. If you ask anything else, I will step in and say he's not answering that. And then if they wanted to put a statement out saying, listen, thinking that something's not going to get out or people aren't going to go, oh, that's a bit odd, is just bizarre. Just put, Even yeah. if they'd have put a statement out and got on the front foot and said, there is an issue with the Maguire deal. Now, they probably thought, well, we don't want to say that because it's going to look really bad on us. Well, it looks great now, doesn't it? That nobody's actually said anything. So I would say the next thing then, and I know we're going to come on to JDT, but we've then heard nothing, have we, until after the game. And everyone in the ground is thinking, well, Twitter, Facebook is just a mock with this void of communication is a mock with people who think they know what's going on or have heard something or do know or whatever. And it's an absolute mess. All sorts is going off. The club's burning down. You've got everyone leaving. It's just a joke. But actually, everyone's waiting for JDT's post-match interview. Now, that man has come there as the manager of the football club, not as the chief executive, but for me, he has not helped that situation one iota. He hasn't just... He's added more questions to it. He's dropped a couple of bombshells that he offered to walk away in the summer. So maybe that's what he was going to do on Friday. I don't know. But what I would say is, what was his motivation in that interview after? Was it to protect the players? Let's deflect all of this. Tell you what, lads, I'm going to create a bit of a storm around this. And then nobody's commenting on what happened today's game, where we've gone from potentially being 11 points safe from QPR to all of a sudden, and I hope they do realise now, because it didn't look like we as a club realised until after the game that we're in a relegation dogfight and we're five points away. So maybe that was his motivation. I don't know. He will only know that. Was it to protect himself? Because nobody really had any time or nobody was really asking questions about the game, the tactics, the substitutions, the form. Or was his motivation, like you said, to inform the fans? I don't know. But he didn't really inform us that much, did he? So... I just think that lack of communication and the lack of being on the front foot creates a void that we all know people are and have been very suspicious ever since Fenkies took over because of the Jerome Manson rumours and all the other stuff. So the moment there is silence from this football club, it's filled with negative rumours and Rovers need to be more proactive about that, I think. If they'd have come out and owned the Maguire situation and said, listen, there's an issue here, it's not great, we accept that, but, and kept you informed or just said, we can't comment while it's ongoing, it's not gone through as we hoped, we're appealing, we will tell you as soon as we can afterwards, it would have stopped some of this. Yeah, people wouldn't have been happy, but it would have stopped some of it. 
I think that's always been the issue with Rovers for a long time, as I can remember the communication. And I think that's what a lot of people bemoan, isn't it? That they never, unlike you say, it isn't media speculation, but they never come out and comment and it just leaves things to fester. And they know how social media is. They definitely know how it yeah. works. And now one thing said to another. And I think your issue with football clubs is information gets out there. And I know a lot of it's wrong, but the right information yeah. also gets out there. Let's be honest, we know... We know about more signings before they happen. We know about most things that are going on with contracts and everything to do with that, really, before it actually happens and it gets out there. And I think they sometimes just act blind to it almost, that if they don't say anything, it's not happened. And it's just, it just causes yeah. this panic, doesn't it? Because everyone's like, oh, well, I've heard this. You know, Mike, you're in the pub on Saturday after the game and there were people saying everything to you and... You know, it was the same on social media. We had a lot of messages on the account, and it just, it just spirals out of control. It's uh... it, it, it does, and and unfortunately, negativity around the football club and, and negativity towards the ownership is the one that people then believe or think. Well, there's probably truth in that because it's happened before. Or I, I, I'm not blaming anybody in post at the club because actually. We don't know what they're allowed to say. Ultimately, they're not that they're, they're not their own employer. We all have employers. You might want to come out and speak about your employers, but you, you're not your own employer. So Venkis should really be the one making a statement. If they don't want to make a statement or pass that responsibility down, then somebody from the club does have to. But you don't know. We've seen people before leave the club because let's just say, and you know, we're not going into rumors, but let's say the blame here lies somewhere Venkis side and not their fault, but because of all the legal issues, then it's not somebody at the club's place to talk about their legal issues either. And actually, if they did, they'd probably find themselves in the job centre on Monday morning. So, yeah, I, I think, can't blame one person for me. No, I think f for me, I mean, you've articulated it beautifully there, to be honest, Mark, but I think for me, it's just the storm of it all. It's not just yeah. one thing. There's just so much going on. The fact that we've only spent something like 1.5 million, but now we've brought in something like 26, 27 million. You know, yeah. so you've got that side of things. The fact that form's been terrible. The fact that JDT's been petulant all season, moaning and moaning. You know, it's, it's all the perfect storm. And then, like you say, when the window closes and fans are thinking, well, hang on, we've seen some people come through the door, everything's hunky-dory, everything's going great. And then it's not just the fact that it might not go through because of a work permit or something like that. It sounds like it's another error. And that's where you start to get embarrassed again because you're like, this isn't the first time, this isn't even the second time. You know, that's when the embarrassment comes through and that's when people start to think, oh, it's the Venkis again. It's the club again. It's all terrible, and that and it's just the perfect storm. You can't go losing to at home to someone that you should be beating, and then have paperwork issues and JDT, like you say, protecting himself and the fans just to be like, oh well, yeah, that's fine. It's the storm of it, and social media, like you say, does not help because everyone winds everyone else up. Then there's and then you know it's just a toxic atmosphere. It's the it, it. I just can't believe the amount of things going wrong that are all these different things that are just really winding people up. Do you think then, if we go on to JDT, uh, Mike, where's his future line? This situation because we mentioned before about how he's damaging his own reputation here. 
because he is, let's be honest. I think if I'm looking from an outside perspective and I want a new manager in the summer, I don't look at him. I'll be truly honest because I see the situation at Rovers. I don't see the full situation. So where does it lie for him? What does he do from here? Because he said about sticking to his ways and he's come out in the press a lot and we've owned a few things going on. It's surely this is damaging him as well, as well as yeah, us, I think, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. I think he's the thing is, is we we've said on previous pod, he's actually quite an inexperienced manager. You know, he's only got a few years under his belt, and most of that was relatively successful. At, um, you know, he getting into the Champions League, but. I think it is damaging him, but it's not necessarily the way he's playing and where we are in the league. It's his attitude. This is, I mean, I tweeted out saying I'm losing support to him. I was one of his biggest fans and we was talking about the fact that he's one of my favourite managers now uh, since the Sooness and Hughes days. And now I'm getting to a point where I'm like, do you know what? I don't like the petulance. I don't like this immaturity. I want him to come out and actually support um support the club whether he believes it or not just publicly yeah. support the club because he's he's throwing fuel on the fire by acting how he's saying the way he's saying things yes the press officers should be coming in and stopping things but ultimately he's going to say these things and he's putting fuel on the fire. He's causing these issues. And if I was another club looking at him, I'd be like, do I really want to have a guy like this, you know, coming into my club? You know, so, yes, I think he is damaging his reputation. I think our reputation is being damaged elsewhere. I think he's, you know, for our club, but his own reputation is being damaged just by his antics. And I am going to call them antics because that's what they feel like. Mark. We've mentioned before as well about the way he comes and speaks in the press. Do you feel it's protecting his own case if he's coming out and saying, you know, look, I've got this wrong, look, this is wrong with the club, you know, every time it's not the playing style's a bit naff or whatever. Do you feel he's protecting himself in terms of when he goes elsewhere saying, look, the club's messed, I'm doing what I can, No one, not many other managers would be getting a better tune out of the squad anywhere? just find it really strange because I think when his stock was really high, we were probably, weren't we, end of last season. So when the mess has unfolded in the summer and he said, I offered to resign, either walk away then because you know where you're at and actually this is no longer what you signed up for or get on with it. And if anything, the situation's Probably improved in January in some ways. I think it maybe has clarity-wise, but... hasn't it? I think yeah. we know a bit where we are now, don't we? When we were in the summer, but... it was, oh my God, what's going on? Now we kind of know, albeit not fully transparent, but yeah, yeah it's definitely in a, the, a the impression I got situation. though. The impression I got when he said that was, I'm offering to resign for the financial reasons. More than that, that's yeah, the impression was. I got. Yeah, it was. It felt I like it that. wasn't saying, oh, I'm going to resign because I've had enough. I mean, I know I've just called him petulant, mm. but this is defending him a little bit. Mm. I actually thought the interview wasn't too bad. And when I was listening to it in the way he was saying it, I did feel like he's there saying, Look, I'll go. No money. Don't worry about it. Yeah. If you want to go and get someone cheaper than me, go get him. That's the impression I got. Yeah. I think there was that, wasn't there? And there was also, if you, we, I get what you want to do with the project, but if you feel you need, 
almost a Neil Warnock type manager now. Also, that was I think there was the, the two two elements to that wasn't yeah. there. But but what I'm saying is if he if he's he knew what he was signing up, he might not this might not have been what he signed up for originally, but he knew in the summer more than we did what he was signing up for this season. So he either thought he could do it or he didn't. And and if he felt that maybe he felt that he could go through the season without any criticism and it was almost a free hit. I don't know. Um I just find it really strange that if he's not that happy, it's not getting any better. So why is he not wanting to move on? Because he doesn't well, especially because he's got previous he's got previous of leaving yeah. the clubs, hasn't he? Yeah, now I mean there's obviously rumours around that, rumours around that he didn't just say walk away, it was all to do with compensation. But if you're not happy ultimately in something and it's causing you so too much of an issue, then you can move on. And I, I'm like you, Mike. I think he, he's one of the played some of the best football we've had. I think if ironically the financial issues are sorted and we can spend some of this money and it gives us room in the FFP, which we know that does. Then he's the manager I want, but that's because of the optimism there, and it just kind of feels like he, he's almost feeling sorry for himself a bit and feeling sorry for the situation, and that's what the performances look like, and it's reflected. What you want is exactly what you've said. Go, do you know what? This isn't an ideal. Still put that out there if you want. It's not an ideal situation. It's not what we originally signed up for. We're having to play some of the younger lads that we probably are having exposing them a bit early, and they're going to learn on the job. But do you know what? We're going to give it our best go, and actually. We're going to do it this way. We're going to still play to our principles. We're doing this. And almost sound like you're up for the fight. It's kind of like everything feels very negative around it. And, oh, this is what we're having to do. And poor me and poor us. I feel like the Adam Wharton situation as well. You know, selling him so late in the window. Um, He was our last player that had elite elite potential uh, and top class. I mean, Dan, do you think that that has an element of it with his not being interviewed. He didn't, you know, he thought he was going to get Wharton back on loan. I don't feel that because it's been reported quite a bit about it. I just think they were scared of him coming out and just saying what he thought about the transfer window. We've seen it in all three or four of the transfer windows he's had that he's come out, whether that's positive or negative. It's come out and spoke about it. I think it was just a club decision taken to. Just Let to him come down. Yeah, put the attention on the transfers that we have done. Uh I just it didn't look the right look to me having the new players there without the manager speaking. It just felt a bit a bit wrong and a bit censored almost with him. I just for me, John Darlan, the situation I'm gonna go on and we'll move on to the Venkies in the uh next, sorry, but for me, JDT's in this situation now where he's talking himself into a worse and worse position. I completely agree with you that regardless of whether he's been sold the bad job or not, and we said that we know the deep down issue isn't with him, on an outside perspective, he's doing his chances no good of going somewhere else. I wouldn't want him as another club in the championship no. because I'd look at Blackman and go, didn't he have Sammy Spadic scoring all them goals? Didn't he have Arno Sigurdsson who they talked about? So, yeah, it's a tough one. And It's like just the moaning, isn't it? If he, if he didn't yeah. moan, he would get it's his mouth that's putting him out, you know, out of another job, isn't it? It is, yeah, and that's it. And we'll move on to the ownership now. You know, what are we in now? The 14th year coming up to 14 years of the Venkies, and thoughts are up and down. You know, a few people have mentioned protests, etc. In the next game, we don't want to go into 
stuff like that. The question I wanted to ask Mike is, we've seen all this, you know, I think since the last time we spoke, the statement come out that, or the news come out from India that the court case would be adjourned and they put the statement out through Rovers saying, you know, we'll have enough money, etc. How long does the position go on like this? Because it feels like we're living court case to court case. Is, do you feel there's going to be a time in the Venkis where they kind of just say, we can't do it anymore, it's too much? I know they've stuck through 230, 240 million in losses, but do you feel there's a time coming where this does end up being too much, too much hassle for them? It's completely unsustainable as it is. I think we've got enough money now from Adam Wharton. I know transfer money doesn't arrive all in one, but we will therefore have enough money because we would have been asking for, you would imagine, I'm not very good at maths, but we got 11 million for half of a season. You would imagine they wanted another 11 million or so until August. So that's what they'll be asking for in March. But worst case scenario now, that doesn't arrive, which is the worry all the time that we go to these court cases because then we can't pay the bills, is we've got the Adam Wharton money, potentially David Raya. So at least the bills will be paid, but only for a finite period of time. Now, I believe they are in court looking at... at, at a private, not a private, but sort of a, a, a solution for just Rovers as that business that they can have free money sent. But if that's still only to pay the bills, then it's not sustainable anymore either. No. So my concern is, I mean, I've got a number, but my concern is what happens if they don't pay the bills? So if we get to a situation, forget the water money now, if the court on one point go, Nah, not this time. Then we, we, we've asked that question at the fans forum and the answers are there that, well, we can't pay the bills. You go into administration, you do X, Y, and Z. So I, for cheap, I, I, I know Venkis don't want that because they why would you want to lose all control of your business? But they must be unbelievably confident in this court, each court case. Because if not, what a hell of a risk they're taking. Not just for <laughs> us, but for, but from them. Them financially. Now, Never mind us. Take us out of it. Treat us as a business rather than yeah. everything else. It is absolutely... It's nerve-wracking almost, isn't it? That much money. But, <laughs> I mean, this is... We know how emotive football is. I mean, this is... This football club's... You know, I've, I'm 37 now. I've had a season ticket since I was three. You know, it's family connections. It's it's passed down. So for us, it's it's a massive, massive part of your life. For them, it might just be one of their businesses. But actually, there's also people that we forget about here. There's the players. Now we're right. You might say they find other clubs. There's Yundal Thomason. There's Steve Waggett. There's Greg Broughton. But there's also people at the training ground that work there. There's ground staff. And how must they be feeling knowing that to pay the bills for the next... Now, however confident bankers are, to pay the next lot of bills, that's been decided in a court case in India, and actually that's been adjourned. Yeah. And well, what happens if it gets adjourned again? After I, the, I just feel so sorry for them, as, you know, I do. That's what but I said, people that I like and, and I worry for the club because I think we were in so, we were so close, actually, and we've had lots of false done, but we were so close to getting it right again. We, you know, yeah, we saw the last transfer window. But now, if I was a good employee at the football club, I'm sorry whether I, whether it's my club or not, I'd probably be looking to work somewhere else. Oh, because you want financial security, you've got bills to pay. 
it's probably slightly different if you're a player. It really is. And actually, some of the young players will see this as a bonus because they've got opportunities they might not have got. But I think that's where it is. And I think Benkies have got a responsibility. Yeah, they've got responsibility to themselves and to their business, but they've got a responsibility to Blackburn Rovers as a football club, as the entity, as as what we all love. But they've got a responsibility to their employees and the people that whose, whose lives rely on that income of, of working there. And I think no matter how small they think that risk is of going to court cases, I think it's it's a risk that shouldn't be taken. And I think if unless they get this sorted very, very quickly, then the responsibility from them should be to find a permanent solution for that, whether it's another investor or whatever it is. I don't know. But I, I just think this is it's not sustainable and it's not fair. That's what I put on social media after the game, that we've got to remember as well that these are genuine people who are having their lives affected, you know, from the press, even the, and I know, I feel for the press team because they're in that situation where they've just got to carry on like everything's normal at the moment. Yeah. And every post you see everything on, and I get why people are putting it on the post. Uh, but you've got all these people, you know, the chefs down at Brockall, everyone who's works her ass off for this club, let's be honest. Well, football club isn't an easy prospect uh, project to run, and I'm not just saying that in defence of Wagger, etc. I mean it in terms of the people that are working their asses off to be in the ticket office and to plan everything and plan a match day, etc. And that goes right down to the people that are probably on, you know, the minimum wage jobs, the lower paid jobs at the club, and you've got some people on six figures or more. And I just feel for them that, like you said, it must be horrible sat there now not knowing what's happening. Everyone's spreading rumours about and everything else. I just feel for them. I just feel for the normal. I call them the normal people of the club, the the non-big football decision-making staff at the club, the people that, the accountants that sat there. It's just a, it's a horrible This situation. is the problem of having owners that are in India. They, they have no accountability. Like you said, they're just another business. They can write us off, sack us off, and say, that was a bad business decision, let's move on. Now, granted, it's been a fair few years, but they might just decide at this moment in time they're done, and they're not accountable to that, and there's very limited people actually in England that are accountable for this decision. Yeah, that's it, and that's where we're at. I think we're at this stage where... Yeah, I see, I'm not saying we're in Reading situation, but you look at Reading at the moment and you see staff are being laid off there and you can't help but think about us and where we're at with it and how far we are off that. And that's the issue. I think the uncertainty of it all must be horrible. And, you know, our thoughts are definitely with anyone involved with a club that are worrying about where the next paycheck's coming on. It, it can't be easy. So now we've also mentioned with the owners before about what they actually get out of the club. And I don't want to ask that question again because I know it gets asked a lot, but do you feel again, Mark, where we mentioned about taking this club, you know, about it not being sustainable, do you think there's just a cut-off point for them where, is there a factor you could think of that maybe then make them sell it other than being forced to sell it by the Indian government because, well, forced to sell it because of administration to do with the Indian courts, etc. Do you think there's anything that could make that decision before they actually get forced to? The only thing I could foresee was somebody offering a ridiculous amount of money because they, I think every other situation has occurred. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And questions came out on social media about that as well. And we'll go into 
We'll go into Max Mailbag uh, in a second. It's just not easy, is it, watching Rovers at the moment? And it's uh, sitting down, I feel like a bit of therapy. And Mark, let's get straight into the mailbag and we'll ask some of the questions that uh, that you had. Over to you. Yeah, so it's a bit of a negative mailbag. It was always going to be, but let's carry on this beautiful <laughs> negativity. So we've got Man Rover, Dan. He's asking, Broughton has stated numerous times that he has a list of replacements for when JDT leaves. And JDT does leave. Do you believe the club will appoint someone with the current philosophy, or are we just back to, or, or are we back to whoever applies? I think for all the talk we had when Greg Broughton came in, it has to be someone in that philosophy because he's talked about it so much, and that's the whole point. Again, in the director of football, for me, that you keep the same philosophy, you keep it the same way. For me, we'd be shooting ourselves in the foot if we didn't. Whether it works or not, I think we've invested in it. We've invested, like Mark's mentioned on a few occasions, uh, into the academy playing the same way. To then switch again for me would just be stupid unless if a manager came up that we really believed in that could do that and it was maybe a difference, but I don't think we'd get anyone that would be that big for us to change our way. So, yeah, I think we we stay with his philosophy. And I don't mind if we're talking about the philosophy where we're bringing academy lads through. I really don't mind it, but the money has to be reinvested and that's not going to happen under the owners. And that's where this building process that the club wants to do is going to fall apart if we're having to keep selling players but can't use that money to reinvest. We're just going to be stuck in that position. There's not how many times is an Adam Watson going to come out of the academy? I can't think of one because the next one I can think of is Rory Finneran and he's probably going to go before we can get any real money for him. So, yeah, I think it will we'll stick with the same model. Hopefully, we've got the ownership that can actually implement that model by reinvesting some of the finances. Jeez, you are negative at the moment, thinking Rory Finneran's going to go for nothing. You definitely need I think some he'll go for a, a very small amount. I think he'll go for a very <laughs> small amount. You can come and... Is it a week's notice you have to give to be a scholar and go? So someone could literally come in now for him. I think clubs are, and it's a completely different ball game, but clubs aren't protected well enough by the compensation no, rules, etc. And no, unless we put Rory Finner in and let him play 40 games and make him sign a contract, but then when he gets to 17, he can only sign a three-year deal. We're basically stuck unless we can get him to 18 and get him on a, whatever, is it five maximum now? Did he change the rules on contracts? Uh, five, six years, whatever contract then. We're just going to stop getting next to nothing. No, I mean going back to the manager side, I do, I, I agree. But the thing is, is the philosophy isn't actually, you know, it's not foreign anymore. This philosophy, it's quite a common philosophy now for football, um, that people do play that way we're playing, and they do it from top to bottom. I mean, I know Mark, you you, you agree um, that the philosophy is great. Would would you back whoever came in? Say, okay, I'm going to change the question slightly for you, Mark. Say JDT went now, in the situation that we're in, would you go short term and bring someone in that was just going to solidify us, keep us in the league, wait till the summer, and then have a look at a new manager? Or would you look for your future manager now and just stick with someone? Because the next question is Steve Beaumont saying about he wants JDT to stay. But if he did walk away, would Damien Johnson be the best interim manager? So how how would you play it if JDT just left now? I think 
how I would play it, but how I think it'd have to be played is very similar to how we play the transfer window. And I'm not making any quips here about Maguire. I'm meaning more along the lines of bringing in Fleck and bringing in um, McFadden. I think what we've done there is gone, right, we know these will do our job. We know they're experienced. They'll get us through to the summer. And then when we hopefully have some final clarification financially, are we going to move forward or not, we can reassess and we can have some real time to put into that because I don't think you're going to attract the right person right now. I think you need to go and get through to the end of the season. And that's one big thing about this transfer window is it's not just experience we've got. I think we've got some good characters. And we were saying how we're missing characters. I think if we got into the trenches right now, which I wasn't, I was worried about weeks ago. I didn't think we would get there weeks ago, as I potentially do now. But I think if we did get in the trenches now, you can imagine that dressing room with Hyam, with McFadzine, with, you know, even people like Rankin Costello, we see that on the pitch. But with John Fleck, maybe Gallagher, they've been there, particularly the ones that we brought in have been there. The good characters, Scott Water knows how much it means. I think you'd have enough to get hold of the others and go, let's get through these games. Um, so I think you'd have to go down that route now. Is is that is that Damian Johnson? I think that depends whether he's got the respect to the players. If he has the respect to the players, then I think it's a siege mentality. Right, lads, let's get this through to the end of the season. I need you. Get those older players. I need you, lads. I need you to help me. I need you to make sure we drag some of these younger lads through this. And I think that's what you can do. I don't think this is the time to be looking long-term. I don't think we're in a position to in any any which way. I think these JDT comments from people, the questions and Twitter, we, we said on the last pod, Mark, um, <clears throat> obviously Dan wasn't on it, but we, we had the discussion about this QPR game coming up. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and I said that, I felt like the QPR game was too soon after the window closed. Yeah, I really believe that if if we didn't have that QPR game, if that was next Saturday, everyone yeah. would have a much different outlook on everything. I just think that that game came so soon after the carnage that was that last day of the window. I just yeah. think everything blew up. The toxic, uh, toxicity around the, the ground, everything just all blew up. And that's why we're now talking about JDT, because he's had these interviews, yeah. he was gagged, um, we lost the game. If we hadn't had any of that, I think we would have, you know, be talking about a completely different thing on this pod. Yeah. Um, but that, that's, you know. I, I think, ironically as well, it's an absolute... Horrific time to have a few home games in a row. We could have done with a couple of away games. But yeah. we've got what we've got. The QPR one has made us hopefully sit and realise, oh, my God, we are only five points off. This is actually potential. This could happen. And we've got Stoke arriving at Ewell Park in an absolute mount of disarray. Some of their supporters I talk to, they're laughing when I'm like, listen, you probably will beat us and now Ennis will probably score. Uh, it's just the way it's going for us. And they are like, you have not seen this lot. We, it, it's basically, a, you know, it's the absolute opposite of a uh, a measuring contest. It's like an anti one. It's like, oh no, you ain't seen nothing yet. So um, I just think, come on, get yourselves together. 
yeah. you know, go and get three points on Saturday. It's a different ball game, and, and everybody needs it because everyone feels better then. I think yeah, if Marlon has scored, that might be the day my season ticket goes. <laughs> if he comes and scores it even, I'm done. I'm absolutely... It I mean, would be wouldn't it? It would yeah. be. I, I don't want to give you a spoiler, Dan, but Niall Ennis did score and they did win 1-0. It's, it's just that. Uh... Well, like I said, I think the JDT thing is all up in the air just because of the last few days. I think... I think if we hadn't had that QPR game and we hadn't had him being all, you know, just being JDT, we wouldn't be discussing about his future, would we? So the last question, Tim Dio asks, random, slightly unrealistic, but not impossible question. If we can't rely on anyone else, do we need to start targeting people or groups to help someone buy Blackburn? Fans in numbers can be powerful. So, yeah, we can start tweeting Elon Musk and saying <laughs> that we're a lovely family club and he needs to start spending some money. But when I, when I read this question, I thought to myself, we're still used to that Jack Walker, John Williams kind of era. You know, Jack Walker, it was all the club was ran brilliantly. You could spend all the money you wanted and, and we just we just expanded the club and we just made leaps and bounds to being Premier League champions. And then obviously after that, John Williams, uh, one of the best people um, to run a football club, and he was absolutely spot on, amazing, and everything was great. Football's now broken. You know, we know yeah. that. It's a broken business model. FFP puts bit owners off. You know, if, if you have good business sense and you've got a lot of money, you don't want to be buying a football club. It's it's a broken business unless you are really close to that club. And let's be honest, the Blackburn fans, there's not many Blackburn fans that we can point to that are rich and famous, that are going to have enough money, that are going to come and put that money in, other than Dan, obviously. Oh, Exactly. So, you know, it needs to be realistic with the fact that there's there's no one nowadays that is going to come in, be handcuffed by FFP and not being able to spend their money. So you're going to attract the wrong people. You're going to attract crooks and people with ulterior motives because ultimately they can't spend the money. So, yes, we can go and target people to come and buy. But who's who? I just don't know who in their right mind is going to come and spend four hundred thousand pounds a week to keep a club running when FFP is going to stop them spending even more to go and jump into the Premier League. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things there, Matt, and I think you're absolutely spot on. I think number one is, unfortunately, even if Jack Walker Mark Two walked into the building, two hundred million would last. What has it lasted? Benke's fourteen years. Hmm. You know, so we're not talking a, a multi-millionaire now, are we? We're talking billionaires needed. I think the other thing is, I, I don't think people fully understand FFP. And the basics of it are you're not allowed to lose more than £39 million over th- a rolling three-year pro, period. So we're losing £22 million a year if we didn't have any, inter- you know, any players sold. People ask, where's the money gone? Well, it's gone to stop us breaching FFP rules. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not going to start speculating about other clubs, but it's been done before. Their clubs have gone and just spent that money. Um, I would suspect yeah, there are a couple of the... yeah, they went up. Well, yeah, and and if you go up, you seem to get away with it. You get a bit of a fine. If you don't, then you've got the consequences of Derby. I highly suspect there are 
at least three football clubs in the championship right now that if they don't go up are going to be in a world of trouble very, very soon. And Rovers haven't done that. And the current people who are working at the club have, all right, they've found very creative ways. We've sold the training ground to Venkis London Limited with a couple of extra letters on. We have sold Adam Armstrong. We've sold Adam Wharton at the minute. Now, I think some of that can be reinvested because it's not just going to FFP down the line. But Venkis have got the money. That's not an issue. Venkis, even if they really, really wanted to, and we don't know, they tell us they do, we don't know, but why would they still be around? If they went and said, do you know what? I'm going to do what Jack Walker did. I'm going to go and get the best players I can for this football club. I'm going to go, Jurgen Klopp's retiring. Last time we did that from Liverpool. Let's get him in and let's give him a... They can't do it. They can't actually do it. Now, they could physically spend the money, but then the repercussions would be there. And if he went up, you'd fight them in court like QPR did. And unfortunately, yeah, you'd probably win. Uh, or you just get, if you don't go up, you end up like Derby because they just put you in. You know, we've been in, people forget, we have been in transfer embargoes because we overspent on FFP. Do you not think part of it's this, you know, this philosophy we want to bring in is selling these plays? Do you not think part of it's come from a lack of that over the years? Because I look at Brereton Diaz who we could have yeah. recruited money on. I look at Daryl Nambi. If someone could come in and yeah. do that, that's our best chance. And I get, I think yeah. that's why we're trying to implement it now. I just think we're not in a position where the owners can reinvest the money because they're not allowed because to put it, it in. So that's yeah. where the issue comes from for me. That exactly right. If you can reinvest, you know, if you have an owner that lets us sell, I'm not saying you have to reinvest the 22 or whatever it was for what, and, but reinvest a portion of it, then it will let us then build that thing. And that's what we've got to do. It's our only way out of that. I think Rovers have got one of the best academy, I think the best academy outside the Prem. I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I think we've no, got I a agree. very, very good academy. We've just got to use that. And for me, that's the one shining light this club currently has that that academy could be the answer to Rovers making the way out for every... And I know we get the... The Matty Platts, Joe Grayson's who look like they're going to make and don't, but you get your Adam Wharton, you've had your Daryl Lenny and you've had your Ryan Mayambe, you'll get your, well, I hope we'll see more of Rory Finneran and Igor Tijan and everyone else. I really hope we do, but uh, uh, for me, it's got a bit of way. And if we can end on any positivity, the under 21s have just made it through to the cup with a last day. Big goal swingers, ready, one 3 0 at West Brom. Uh, so Rovers are through in that, and hopefully a few players from that can. Uh, can make the step up. Zach Gilsanum for me is one that yeah. massive, massive future and probably should have gone out on loan, but I think he could feature before the end of the year. I don't think he could be any worse than some of the players that are playing ahead of him and I think he deserves his no. shot. But, uh, yeah, yeah in a tough just, position. Just one last thing on that question, um, Mike, where he's, he's talked about fans in numbers can be powerful. Yeah, they can. But... I think there's a common misconception that, and, and some people do it out of principle, but there's a common misconception that going to support Rovers and paying the money for a ticket is going into Venky's pocket. It isn't. And actually, if we want to make ourselves more attractive as a football club, we've got to start bringing in, number one, more money for them business people. But for us, we've got to start packing the ground out more. There's 12,888 people in the ground at weekend. Now, 
I'm not blaming people, and I get finances are difficult at people's houses. Uh, it, this is not, a, you know, a pop at anybody at all. However, why would you come and buy a club that's hemorrhaging money and the fan base isn't there either? I think, you know, if, if people can make it to the games, then go because that will help and it's going to help the team. And I know we've talked we've talked on the fans forum at the last one about ideas for season tickets, um, about reducing them. The club are very worried about doing that because they're already losing money and we want to reinvest as much as it we can. So they have targets to hit in terms of season ticket money. If they could be guaranteed that they halve the ticket prices and double the people would come so they'd make the same money, they would do it. I have no doubts about that. But when we do quite low ticket price offers, the fans' numbers don't quite stack up to, to showing that it's, it's going to work. We've talked think... about various models. Sorry, right? we've talked about various models of that and saying, could you do a, it's £300, and then when we hit 8,000 season ticket holders, it's 280 and then it's two. But would you buy one at 300 in case it dropped? Because if you could afford one at 300, you'd probably buy one at 300 anyway. Because football fans are that. They are they want to go to support the club. It's usually about they can't afford it if they're not going or they live too far away. Yeah. Uh, obviously, um, it's you've got Manchester one side, Liverpool the other, if you used to go and support a club as a young lad. So when you're in the when you're just outside the Blackburn area, you're probably not going to be choosing Blackburn to be your supporting club. I think the thing is for me is the product isn't there and people just don't want to come. And I mean, like you, you guys said just before the pod about the atmosphere at Ewood is absolutely atrocious. Now, it wasn't long ago we were saying it was one of the best atmospheres at Ewood. And I was saying, yeah. oh, I brought my lad to a couple of games and it was absolutely amazing. Everyone was loving life. The, the, the chanting was there. It was loud. And then it seems like two minutes have passed and now we're saying it's one of the worst atmospheres we've seen at Ewood Park since the Steve Keen days. It's, it's so up and down that I, I just think that people don't want to spend... They, like you said, people have limited money. It costs me a hell of a lot to get to games because of where I live, and obviously that's my choice, but um, I, it costs me a hell of a lot of money to go to games. And do I want to go and spend that money to just go and hear guys in the back in my ear screaming about how shit everything is and everyone is? And, you know taking my lad there he's only nine and all he's going to hear is people swearing and pointing it, it's just not a great atmosphere so for no. me that the reason if it, what the venk is needed to do and obviously that they plan to do it this year was to make it more exciting by getting us the players and that's yeah. been the issue i think the yeah. plan was that we was going to make a real good push was going to spend some money and that's just called, That's just put everything up in the air. Now, <clears throat> going back to the question, could we get new owners? To be honest, I don't think we could. I don't think anyone would want us, like you said, because of exactly what you've said. I don't think we're an attractive club to many people. Um, I think you would need, you know, you look at the um, you look at the surrounding area. You you haven't got loads of people that are going to be like, do you know what, I'm going to go to Blackburn because isn't the population of Blackburn something like 170,000, something like that. You know, yeah. it's not a, a mat. You're asking like a third of the fam, of the town to come out to games. It's, it's, we're just not an attractive club at this moment yeah. in time. I think we're stuck with the Venkis. 
And I don't think anyone's going to come in and want to buy it unless someone from America decides that they just want to chuck their money into something. Do you not feel, Mike, that we've seen other clubs get fans in, uh, get new owners in? Now you look at Bolton, who we, I don't, well, I'm going to use one word there, but we're in a very similar situation to yourself. I think we get some on. I really do. I just think it'd take administration to do that. Because Probably. then we're at the stage yeah. where everything's on the cheap, isn't it? And I feel, without, I don't like saying it, but I feel that when we are in this situation, we're waiting for administration to happen. That's how I feel at the moment, that we're in that horrible situation where we obviously don't want it to happen, but it feels like there's only one outcome and we're delaying the inevitable. And that's my big worry at the moment, that are we well, just I mean, off? I mean, looking at what you've anyway? just said, I'm just looking at Hull. Because obviously Hull have done business, haven't they? And they, they've just um, they've just been bought out. Now their population's quite a bit more than Blackburn. It's got the surrounding area around where you know you're coming into the York area, and obviously you towards Leeds. Then do you do you think if we did get new owners, do you think we we could attract the kind of owners that would want to pump a lot of money in, or would just want to save us from the Venkies and then tick us over. I think we get owners that want to do something with the club. I think the connection part's the big thing. I think what we've seen with the Hull owners and what they've shown is they can have a connection to a place when they're not necessarily from there or even from this country, the Turkish. But they, they get the club, they built that thing with the fans at Hull that, you know, Auntie we've had from the Tull and Back podcast on here spoke so many times about how I think it's Tankesler's come in and really made it feel like a club. They do, I believe, they do really cheap membership for kids. They make it basically a whole work. They weren't getting the fans in, and whole fans basically now can bring the kid for nothing or next to nothing. So it's kind of like, oh, well, you might as well come along and watch. You might as well come and get on. And I think we just need, like Mark said, Rovers fans affording it's the biggest thing for me I think for a lot of people I know it's a very expensive hobby I think you've got to get these owners in who have this connection who yeah. appreciate that the football club's not just a football club it's a lot more It's whether it's people's jobs or whether let's be honest it affects all our moods on a day-to-day basis I know the podcast gets a bit hard at times when all we're doing is complaining but for me I think there'd be an honour out there I've no doubt about it how that comes and whether that would work out. I know you can, I think you look at Blackpool who had the Oysters in and they've got the new owner who they're not really satisfied with now. Uh, so it's always a risk, but I just feel, like I was saying before, I think the overall point for me is I feel like we're just delaying the inevitable. I don't see how this carries on. I don't see how it's sustainable. I think a change has got to be made and I think it's time for that change and whether it becomes... You know, I kind of worry about going to Ewood Park. I think it's going to be a, a real toxic place, especially on Saturday if we lose protests are building. And I've got varying opinions on the protest, but we just want a club that we know is okay. Clubs will come out of it well, and I think we'll come out of it on the better side, although it might take time and it might take a few more years of pain. I just think we'll, we need that change sooner rather than later because like I say I just feel we're delaying what's going to happen anyway 12 months down the line or even further 
It does. It does feel like enough is enough with it. Um, it. There is no end. I mean, going back to what you said about the whole thing, where they, they've spent loads of money on players, they've brought players in, and they've made it cheaper for fans to go. All of that together creates that better atmosphere. Whereas, you, you know, you come to our side of it, and the ticket prices have gone up, and we're losing players. So it's like. You know, it's it's it, the product is just terrible at the moment, isn't it? I think as well. I think people see it as sorry to jump in, but I think people see when you look at these tickets and it's twenty five quid for the average home game. But I've heard people say it before they look at it and go, "It's twenty five quid when I bring my kid and when I bring we've had food. You're talking a forty quid, fifty quid day, and that's when you're living black. But never mind, like you said, Mike, about living outside. For me. You've got to kind of give people that thing of, oh, well, it's only that much. I might as well go and see what it's about. And I appreciate fan bases will go up and down when the team's not doing great or when it's midweek, etc. We know that goes up and down. But I just feel in that situation where there's nothing. I, You know, I was saying before the podcast, I've been going six or seven years home and away every week and I find it hard to go in with now and I won't stop going and I know I won't stop going because it becomes almost addictive but there are people that will stop going and there's people that get bored of it and find somebody else to do on a Saturday and find somebody else to do on a Tuesday and I feel we're slipping into we keep losing little bits of the fan base as we go along and I don't want it to get to the stage where we're having to fight for even more to come back we need it in a stage where people want to go people are excited to go through you wouldn't it just doesn't have that for me. And I know a lot of people that are saying the same that just can't be bothered going. There's a lot of people sit around me at Ewood that weren't even there with a season ticket the other day because of it. Yeah, it's it's a huge 24 hours in my opinion now. Um, just, just, it's just the embarrassment of it. If this doesn't go through... If this Maguire thing doesn't go through, I just think it's it's going to go through the roof. I think, yeah, it's going to go through the roof. But, I mean, that's the mailbag. Um, I'll pass it back to you, Dan. And, yeah, hopefully questions next week will be positive about, oh, what did you think of Maguire's two goals against Stoke in a 4-0 win? And we're just there going, oh, JDT's got his contract the venkies have now been able to send money we're all happy and you know why haven't we signed Broughton JDT and everyone up to lifetime contracts but that's what I'm hoping the questions will be next week yeah fingers crossed mate thank you very much and thank you to everyone for watching we'll round off there uh, I've enjoyed this therapy session it's got a bit out about the Rovers thank you to everyone for watching uh, for staying tuned if you're still watching again thank you for all your support as well I think we just want to win. We want something to excite us. We want to be on next week talking about how we can go to Birmingham and go to Preston uh, and get something. But we'll wait and see. Mark, thank you for joining us. No problem, boys. I'm just, I've just spent a couple of minutes in Mike's brain the, next week, and I thought, yeah. Then they announce new season tickets, and they go, do you know what? There we go. We'll Under use course. a couple. We'll use a couple of million of that Adam Wharton money. You guys can have a ticket. You deserve it. Crack on. There yeah. we go. Yeah, think positive. And Mike, thank you as always. Yeah, no worries, boys. And thank you again for everyone for watching. Whatever platform you're on, leaving a review. We'll keep going whether Rovers are 
flying in the playoffs here, lurking down the bottom. We'll still keep bringing this podcast out. Again, thank you for all the support we've had recently as well. It's been really good, uh, especially when hearing about Rovers isn't always the, the nicest thing at times. We appreciate the way you support us. Fingers crossed for a better week for Rovers, and we'll see you soon for a new video or a new podcast. Yeah.